three, two, one. It's that time of the day. Welcome to the 4th Street Sports Show, an award-winning student podcast covering all things Golden Eagles. Welcome back to 4th Street Sports Show. I'm your host, Dima Mixon. You'll never guess this, but we're actually bundled up in Nathan's apartment, all live in person. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're sitting here, really a nice setup, so all the people who aren't here, Charlie and Austin, are missing out they on are. a great setup this afternoon. Yes, they are. I have Nathan with me. Yes. I have Jackson with me. Hello. Gentlemen, we just got done eating a nice dinner at Cracker Barrel. Yeah, we did. That was good. But why don't... <laughs> Why don't y'all tell me how y'all doing this afternoon? Doing good, my man. I'm ready to get some picks and get back this lead that I used to have. I'm doing well. Heath Hinton is calling me. I will call him back. But <laughs> yeah, I'm re- I've been climbing up the leaderboards. I'm ready to get back into the thick of things. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because Jackson was so far behind. We were like, we were like, you know, meep meep on the. Uh, or is it the Roadrunner on Looney Tunes? Yep. Yeah, yep. he then, is the meep know, meep. Yeah, and we were, and we were going meep meep, you know, mm-hmm. past Jackson, but now he's kind of coming back just a bit. Gentlemen, this weekend Southern Miss takes on Texas State. Mm. Um, so one of the, probably you know it feels like every game I don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, Texas State's a two and a half point underdog. Somehow Southern Miss is favored in this game. Overrunners at forty three point five. I want to talk a little bit. I mean, I know we talk about it almost all season. It feels like like there's no reason to talk about it anymore. But let's just dive into this quarterback stuff, right? Just off the bat, let's get it mm-hmm. over with. Let's get through it. I want to ask you all if Zach Wilkie stayed in the game against Arkansas State for the entire game, would the same result have happened? I'll I'll just go ahead and start and say no. I think that the the uh, offense, I think the whole team personally just needed a new jolt. Then they needed to see something different. We can all agree that Zach was just missing a lot of receivers. Bad, two really bad interceptions. One happened right in front of me. It was just it was just a terrible interception. So I personally think it was needed. Um, is Zach a better quarterback per, overall? Then Jake uh, Lang, yeah, I think you could definitely make that argument. But I just think they needed something to get you know that team just going. So I, I don't think I think they would have lost if they kept in Zach. I'm going to sound like a parrot because I'm going to repeat exactly what he said because he hit the nail on the head right there. But they got they had the juice whenever Jake Lang came in. Jake's not a more talented quarterback. Mm-hmm. Zach can do way more things offensively. But Will mm-hmm. Hall said after the game that. He was just extremely nervous, I guess. The pressure got to him. That's why he was throwing high and missing a bunch of receivers. So you put Lang in, really stabilizes everything. But we, I talked to Will Hall, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and he said that competition was needed at the quarterback position. So we saw on the depth chart, Zach Wilkie listed number one. They split reps in practice. So mm. how that's going to go into Texas State, you would think that that would be beneficial for Zach Wilkie if, in fact, they roll with them all the way, which it appears that they will. So the competition should help. Is Zach Wilkie the better choice over Jake Lang right now? I don't know, but that's why the coaches get paid the big bucks and we just sit here. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, you know, the game changed on one drive, mm-hmm. and it was when the running game started to get going. Yep. And I don't really think it was necessarily anything that Jake Lang was – I mean, yeah, Jake Lang. Jake Lang, yes. Jake Lang was doing. <laughs> Jake um, Lang. Lang. Dog. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily anything he was doing. I just think eventually the offense showed up to play. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the turning point in the game? That 98-yard drive was something yeah, right there. Exactly. They and, ran the ball. And it was and it was, it was was put on by Ty Mims. It was put on by Frank Gore Jr. on his 30-yard run on 3rd and 10. Mm. I don't think it was necessarily anything – that Jake himself was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, he was the the engine behind moving the ball down the field twice, and the offense before that hadn't moved the ball down. But um, something Andrew Abbott said yesterday in his Twitter space was that every single drive before that, Southern Miss had moved the ball into Arkansas State's territory. Mm-hmm. So the offense was still moving the ball. So I think you can still make an argument that said eventually that still would have happened. Mm-hmm. Now, it is something to talk about because Zach Wilkie definitely seemed to be energized. He seemed to be excited and not really there mentally, and that's what Will Hall said on, in post game. And I don't want to just echo everything we already said on Monday or everything we already said in the post game video that we did uh, Saturday night. 
but it's almost like, well, you know, he has to be ready. And like, mm-hmm. you, you can't throw out a guy there who you, you know is going to have to do that again. And why would he not be ready at home on homecoming versus on the road at Texas State? That's a good question, honestly. Because if you can't do it at home in the biggest game of the season because it's homecoming, I mean, you know, and especially in a, in a game that everyone expected them to win, you know. Arkansas State's a good team, but I think everyone thought that Southern Miss was just a better team overall. So overall, yeah. Um, you hate to see that from your young quarterback, but it comes with it comes with it when you're a freshman, a three star freshman. It's not like he was a five star from California. So this is the best competition he's ever seen. So I think it was just a combination of, of some things. Yeah, absolutely. It's a true freshman quarterback, guys. Mm-hmm. I think we're so used to seeing guys like Trevor Lawrence just really excel mm-hmm. at a young age. I know Dima saw him. He <laughs> scrambled all over the field that one game. Jake Lang brought that up, but. You know, he's showing his jitters, right? He's a young guy. He was in high school last mm-hmm. year. and Obviously, Jake Lang isn't the most talented. He doesn't have the most playing experience. Mm-hmm. And when he did play last year, he got mm-hmm. beat up. <laughs> so hard to really get a solid sample size from that last year. So you bring in Lang. But obviously, we know Wilkie's more talented. He just has to, I guess, take a step back and realize, hey, I can do this. It's not all on my shoulders. He's got a lot of playmakers around him. He just has to be able to utilize that and, you know, kind of manage the game, be a little bit of a game manager. And once he can figure out how to do that, that'll be good for him. Going on the road at Texas State at a place where Texas State has not won or not lost at home this year, undefeated in San Marcos this year, that's going to be tough. But we're just going to have to see how he does. What do you think was the one game that Zach Wilkie looked the most in control? Most in control, I think I think it was Miami. I don't know if that was his best game overall stat-wise, but I think that was the most like calm he's been, which is weird because Miami at Hard Rock Stadium against a Power 5 opponent. It's crazy how his nerves just – he had just cool, calm, collected. So I, I would say Miami game. I think we're arguing semantics here because first half of Miami, I completely agree with you, even mm-hmm. though the second half, you know, yeah. he, he kind of showed his inexperience. So I would actually argue Tulane because yeah. overall throughout the game, he didn't make that big mistake. Mm-hmm. He kind of managed the game and got the ball to cast in more than anybody and made the plays he needed to mm-hmm. to win that game. So I would say Tulane is where he looked his best. Yeah, and I think that that's the most important part. Like we're not, you know – for the when Alabama, as you know, like they look one of the their best seasons ever was in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. With Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and that offense, and Mac Jones was just the engine behind it. He mm-hmm. wasn't the most phenomenal quarterback mm-hmm. in the history of college football, whatever. He is, <laughs> he wasn't the most phenomenal quarterback in the history of college football, but he was the engine that drove that force. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's all Southern Miss is asking yes. these quarterbacks to do. And, it, and obviously, you know, they're not Alabama's 2020 offense, mm-hmm. but just get the ball to get the ball to these playmakers because it was it's just so frustrating to be just one quarterback away. And if mm. they could just find a quarterback and and what I've been saying all season is, man, just do some things to get these players involved. Like mm. you don't have to throw a 40-yard pass to get the ball to Jason Brownlee. And I think they were going away from that in the um, Arkansas State game. Mm. They would throw a swing pass to uh Ty Mims. They'd throw a little slant to uh to uh Latrell Jones. And you know, I think that that is the way that they have to get the quarterback more involved. And um uh, you know, they, they were getting the ball to the tight end. They mm-hmm. were getting the ball to um, – and they were running the ball. Uh, but looking at Texas State, um, so they're sitting there 3-4 and four on the season. They're 1-2 and two in conference play. They've won all three of their games at home and lost all four of their games on the road. <laughs> and their three losses, they were absolutely gashed in the run game. So let me just read this off. So when they went they went to Nevada, they lost 38-14 to 14 at Nevada mm-hmm. – 130, 30 yards on the ground for the Nevada Wolfpack. They went to Baylor um, and got beat 42-7. to Listen to this. 293 rushing yards for wow. for Baylor. Is that, that good? Wow. Yeah, for that day. <laughs> and then they played at James Madison, and James Madison rushed for 203 yards mm. on Texas State. Last week, more of a defensive game when they played Troy. 104 yards for Troy on the road. Gentlemen, how important is it this week for Southern Miss to get the run game going? I think it's paramount. I think that's the only the only way that the Eagles can pull this one off. We know 
we've seen the struggles recently of Zach Wilkie uh, as of right now he's the starter. So you can't rely on the guy completely to win this game. I don't think you could do that against any team uh, from here on out. So I think it's you have to. I don't think it's an if or you know, a want. It's a need in this one. They've got to be able to run the ball. They've got to break that century mark at least to have a chance in this one. If we were to be a fly on the wall inside Will Hall's coaches meeting on whichever day it was, let's say Monday, mm-hmm. and he had to get on a whiteboard and write down all the objectives that Southern Miss has to do to beat Texas State, on the top of that list has to be established a run, right? Because yep. Texas State, when they lose – they give up a lot of rushing yards. And when Southern Miss is successful on offense, they run the ball. We saw that against Arkansas State. They were able to run the ball at least a little bit in that fourth quarter, and that was the difference in the ball game. So Southern Miss, you know, it may not be – whatever Baylor had, was it 290-something yards? Like, it may not be that kind of performance, but they have to show some ball control, give the ball to their backs, Frank Gore and Janari Dean, and then that should pave the way for success in this game. Take the ball out of the quarterback's hands, right? It doesn't have to be all on his shoulders. you got to have a complimentary offense, and if Southern Miss can do that, they have a great chance Saturday. Mm-hmm. Southern Miss this season, 252 yards rushing against Liberty, which was a loss, mm-hmm. which I think all three of us in here said they probably should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus Miami, they had 33 yards rushing. Uh, versus Northwestern State, uh, 188 yards. Tulane, 59 yards. Troy, 48 yards. And Arkansas State, 168 yards rushing. So they got the rushing game going last week, and I think ever since, I remember like after the Northwestern State game, we were expecting the run to look better than it did, obviously, against Tulane and Troy. Um, but if a team is susceptible to the run, how much does that play into Southern play calling this week? Ooh, that's a good question. I would, I mean, you got you to take notice. They, they know. Uh, this coaching staff knows what what they need to do, and and like Jackson said, you got to you got to you got to get that run game going. And I, I imagine play call wise that they're going to be prepared to find different ways. You know, like we saw last week, you know, get it more by committee. You know, with Janari Dean out there too, mm-hmm. not just Frank Gore. Even though Frank Gore is the lead back, you know, that nice change of pace was nice for the, that that the, for the team. So. uh Play calling wise and running by uh, running back by committee, I think is definitely something that they're looking at. It's really going to depend on how they call the plays early, mm-hmm. right? If they can mm-hmm. establish that run early, then they don't have to run the game, run the ball all game because their goal is to get Jason Brownlee one on one, right? Mm-hmm. And if you run the ball effectively enough, eventually they're going to put that corner one on one with Brownlee, and then mm-hmm. you know whoever the quarterback is, let's say Wilkie or Lang, whichever, going to make that play the Brownlee. I know Will Hall hasn't announced the quarterback, but we assume it is Wilkie based on the depth chart. But, you know, running the ball, it's going to be very important. We're probably going to see some different looks, hopefully not the jumbo package, because I don't know if there's been a successful play out of that package mm-hmm. at all this year. But Yeah, and it comes down to, like, what you know, it seems like every single time Southern Miss needs a two-yard rush and they run the ball, they haven't been able to get it. Exactly. And mm-hmm. – and it's been on third down, and it's been on whatever down it's been on. And I really feel like this game, they could get it. Like, they can get those this game. And if they can get those, they can consistently move the ball. And what they really like to do is throw those, and one of my least favorite plays in football, oh, honestly, boy. when they throw the wide receiver screen out and get try to get yardage. Um, it really only works with, like, a really fast slot receiver um, that he can get it for, like, for example, you know, Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan or whoever the big dogs are in college football right now, Tennessee, you know, they will, they can throw that screen pass and get like an automatic 10 yards. And it's just like, it's like, it's, they almost don't even consider it a pass. It's just part of the run game. Yep. Right. And for Southern Miss to do that, they're throwing it out to Brownlee. They're throwing it out to Caston. They're throwing it out to Ty Mims. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just kind of, you know, weird to me to think that they don't have there's never been a play this season where I've seen them have some misdirection in the run game mm. like I, it's it's like run it up the middle run it left H back sweep right they don't do any you know where the two linemen come over and block you know mm-hmm. it's just like if they could really hone in and get this run game going their offense would be able to flourish because once the linebackers and the safeties have to respect the run mm. 
They can hit over the top, just like you're saying, Jackson to Brownlee. They can hit over the top to Cast, and they can hit over the top to Latrell Jones. Mm. And then, but I do think, Nathan, what, what is your opinion? Don't, do you think that one thing that me and Jackson were there at practice on Wednesday, we talked to Will Hall. Even if Caston is good to go this week, which it sounds like he is, sounds like Caston is good to go this week. Do you think that they should still be rotating time ends in? I think I was going to try and fit that point. You got to get him on the field after last week. I mean, I mean he's I, too much of an athlete. Yeah, he, he he what he did last week earned himself at least you know some playing time. Um, no matter what, if you got to take Cast, I hate to take Caston out because you know how good we know how good Caston. I mean, but be. I'm even thinking. Latrell Jones. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. So if there's any way to get Mims on the field, I think you got to try to. He's too much. He's too athletic, too explosive um, to not try and get him on that field. Yeah, and Will Hall talked about this. Maybe he uses some creativity, mm-hmm. putting them both in at the same time. I know last yeah. week Ty Mims was the backup to Jacarius Casting. He became Jacarius Casting mm-hmm. in that game, according to how the game plan went. So they definitely got to get them all involved. Maybe if they go like four or five wide, even even mm-hmm. that we're talking about yeah. having her on the ball. Sometimes you just get into that situation yep. where you got to have all those guys at wide out. We'll definitely see Ty Mims there. But how he performs with all those other cooks in the kitchen will be interesting to see because we know the game plan was catered for him mm-hmm. and catered for Casting last week. So will he be able to replicate his success? We'll see, but he definitely needs to be involved come Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Southern Miss sitting at three and three, one and one in conference play. If Southern Miss wins this game, they're four and three, two wins away from a bowl game. Obviously, very tough schedule coming up. But you know, next week that UL game is looking a little bit more favorable. Um, but I want to. I think the mood right now in Southern Miss would be so much different if the fourth quarter would have gone exactly the same as the third quarter. And I know it didn't, and we're not going to sit here and just like bash them as if it did. But, guys, if Sermis would have lost last week to Arkansas State on homecoming, let's just say 19-7, to let's say those two drives didn't happen, what would be the outlook at Sermis football right now? Because, in my opinion, it would be really grim, right? And, mm-hmm. like, you know, you beat Tulane, but now you can really say that that was just kind of a fluke. And then, you know, obviously Northwestern State, nobody expected them to lose that game. But other than that, there's not been a game where you're like, yes, they're okay, they just lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I said in last week's pod, you know, it was, I, I felt like it was a must win. If they were looking to get into a bowl game, it was a must win. Um, I, I would have, especially if they would have lost in that fashion, 17 uh, or 19 to 7, you know, where the offense did nothing. Uh, there it would be grim. It, the people would be wondering, all right, what what is this offense, y'all? We thought we had a quarterback, and now we don't. You know, so yeah, I think people would have had a lot of questions. You know, those two drives at the end kind of covered it up, kind of pushed that pushed that question until a little bit later, probably. But you know, if they can pull this week off, then that those questions are completely out the door. You'll be you know having a, a above five hundred record. Um, and that's all Southern Miss wants, I think, these fans around here. You know, like like uh, Will Hall said in the postgame, some of the most passionate fans in the country. He said they're the most, you know. Um, yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but, you know, they are. They love it around here. And, and they know what the standard used to be, and that's where they want to get. So, um, yeah, it would have been grim, but, you know, they pulled it off, so. Well, you know, if ifs and buts were candy mm-hmm. and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> but you kind of look at it, if Southern Miss loses that game, this Texas State game is a must win yeah. as opposed to now it's kind of a, eh, it'd be cool to win. I think but it's a must win. I think it's a must if you want to I think bowl. it's definitely a must win. If you want to get to a bowl game, you, I'm, it's hard to come up with, if they lose this game, three more wins. But it, it seems at least like reasonable to presume two more. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but it wouldn't as – it would, it's not as urgent as it would have been because they would be two and four going yeah. in this game. A loss puts them at two and five, hypothetically, in that situation. And that's just, that is gloom and doom right there. Yeah, but yeah. now you lose, go to three and four, you still got a chance. Obviously, some tough opponents, but if you come back on the short week and beat Louisiana, you're back at 500. So it's not the end of the world. But. They did lose to Arkansas State and did get that run game going. Yes, it would be gloom and doom right now, like Nathan said. But as it stands right now, a win at Texas State will be great, but it's not necessarily the end-all, be-all. For sure. Um, I think it's – I don't know, because I feel like it's kind of – I don't know. We'll we'll get into Louisiana next week, obviously. We'll have an earlier podcast next week. But, 
you know, I, I just feel like it's hard to come up. I mean, I don't, I can't sit here and confident that they're going to be coastal on the road. So I feel like that mm-hmm. for all of us is a oh, it's a probable loss. South Alabama looks as strong as ever. I don't know. If, <laughs> I know it's senior night, mm. but I feel like those are two pretty simple losses. So Louisiana, Georgia State, ULM, all those could possibly they could possibly yep. win. Um, so I think Texas State, if they want to get to a bowl, this is an important game for them. Very. For Texas State, though, <clears throat> excuse me, for Texas State, this is their homecoming game, and they have not lost a home game this year. And, guys, their home games, they have blown out opponents. Uh, they played FIU at home. They beat them 41-12. to They played um, Houston Christian at home, 34-0. Then Appalachian State at home, 36-24, where in the middle of that game, they were leading something like 28 to nothing or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what is the main thing Slimus has to do to not – to at least put themselves in a position to win. And I really think they can't turn over the ball. Like, yeah. They cannot. They are turning over the ball like almost like it's like handing out candy right mm-hmm. now. They turned the ball over, what, twice last week against a team who like doesn't force turnovers? Mm. They turned the ball over how many times against Troy? Four? Four times against Troy. So. And then uh, I don't remember how many times they turned it over against Tulane. But they turned the ball over a lot. Like I don't even know how they turned the ball over that much, mm-hmm. honestly. They've got to clean that up. And something we were talking about at practice, me and Jackson and David, was, you know, if they just stopped turning the ball over, you know what? Well, there would probably be like five and two right now. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they could have beaten Troy if they wouldn't have turned the ball over at the end. Liberty. Yeah. And they would have definitely beaten Liberty. Mm-hmm. Easy. Yeah, so uh, the easy out on that question would probably be the run game, but I, I agree completely with you. I think it's got to be turnovers. you got to have a clean game. No penalties, no turnovers. You know, just the, sim- the, the simple but – Things that make a team from a good team to a great team. Right now, from an average team to a good team for Southern Miss. You know, they can just have a clean game. Uh, They'll be putting themselves in a very, very good spot in this one. Yeah, ball control, kind of a combination of both elements. You got to run the ball, Mm -hmm. and then you got to have some possessions, right? And not turn the ball over. A lot of coaches use this saying to the point where it's almost become a cliche. They say every drive has to end in a kick, whether or not that's a punt, an extra point, or a field goal. Not, no turnovers. Don't end in a turnover. Just end in a kick. A punt's okay. Just hold on to the ball. Maybe get a couple first downs before you punt, and then you're going to be fine. Ball control and not turning the ball over, like y'all said, is the main important aspect that Southern Miss has to take care of. Yeah, this and I game. feel like um sorry cut you off. But I feel like um field position is gonna be huge in this game. Yeah. And I think Southern Miss only has the advantage in field position. Natron Brooks guys, he is going to break one. Mm-hmm. He is fixing a break one. He should have taken one back against mm. uh Probably one of the biggest plays of the game. Yeah. You know, Arkansas State's kicking it out of their end zone. Natrone Books returns it, what, 33, 35 mm-hmm. yards into plus territory to set yep. them up? And I believe that was like a 61-yard yeah, punt. It was, it was a crazy From his punt. end zone. Yeah. Yep. Natrone fielded it at like the 30 or the mm-hmm. 25, yeah. and he took it back into the 45-yard line and gave uh, uh, Lang and company a short field. You know, I think that this weekend is going to say a lot about who this Southern Miss team is. We mm. know the defense is good, but... Mm. Um, this is a game that I mean, if if when Texas State and Arkansas State play each other, I think that's later in the season. It's going to be a close game. This is about the same level of opponent as Arkansas State, in my opinion. I think in the beginning of the year, all of us had Southern Miss winning this game, and now that we're here, it's almost like, well, you know, Texas State hasn't lost at home, but are they really that much better than Southern Miss? I don't think so. Mm-mm. I mean, I think this is as the line shows. This is basically a coin flip. We'll definitely see what happens this weekend, gentlemen. Is that is you? Do y'all have anything else to talk about for Southern Miss Texas State this weekend? I think I'm good. I got yeah. all my points out. It'll awesome. it'll be a fun game, that's for sure. We will not be there at Texas what? State this weekend. We have decided not to make the road trip, but we will have coverage as always. Follow us on Twitter and all that stuff for that. Um, and then the post game video. We may we may or may not have them. We'll think about it. But now you're going to hear from Calf uh, Chardello. Uh, from the Austin American Statesman, he uh, he got on the phone with Jackson and I, both of us, and yeah. talked some Texas State football. Believe it or not, gentlemen, he just had a baby like Tuesday and got on the phone with us on wow. Wednesday. So live respect. from the live hospital. from the hospital. Respect. He didn't have the baby, but his wife had the baby. <laughs> you know, so he was there. He said he needed a baby break. So uh, enjoyed this interview from Kev Chardello from the Austin American Statesman, and he knows way more about Texas State than we do. So we'll be right back on 4th Street with him, and then we'll get into our picks later.
This is the 4th Street Sports Show on Southern Miss Radio. Welcome back to 4th Street. I am Dima Mixon, and I'm actually joined by Jackson here. We're both here interviewing uh, Kef Chardello from the Austin American Statesman to talk a little Texas State football. Uh, Kef, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing pretty great. Uh, I was just talking to you before this that I'm at the hospital, had a baby born yesterday, so I'm uh, wow. busy times, but just in time on Tuesday for the game on Saturday, so we'll, we'll be discharged tomorrow, and I'll, I'll be there at homecoming for the Bobcats on Saturday. <laughs> you got to give Jeff a lot of credit here, you Absolutely. know, he, he's, he's a baby born and he's still on, on, on the podcast, so it's like a round, a round of applause right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I need I need a good I need a I need a baby break. No better way to take a break than talk about football. So there we go. Absolutely. Well, let's dive right into this. Southern Miss, you know, coming off of one of the most insane comebacks that I've seen in a while. Homecoming win over Arkansas State, and then Texas State coming off um, the loss to uh, to Troy on the road. Um, Kev, just talk about Texas State, and you know, I think we mentioned before the the. The recording started just Southern Miss in the Sun Belt adding a new wrinkle. What does Texas State fans and maybe some of your colleagues, how do they how do they view Southern Miss um, coming into the Sun Belt? Um, you know, Southern Miss and Texas State have only played twice um, in, in serious history. Yeah. You know, right off the bat, it was it was really more about baseball because Texas State is a big baseball school and so is Southern Miss. Um, and so, right, that's what all the fans here were saying was just like, all right, some real competition in baseball. This will be fun. It's funny that's, that football was almost secondary. Um, but there's uh, – they, yeah, they've played a couple times in the past, but there's not really a, a big football rivalry. Um, it'll, be, it'll be a fun wrinkle to add them to the mix, to the Sun Belt. I think, you know, it really – when they added those four teams in, in this past year, I think it really solidified it, solidified the belt all across the South. I mean, Texas is kind of on an Island where Texas state's kind of on an Island in the Sun Belt. Um, but all the other States, it's, it creates a whole lot of good cohesion and Southern Miss has had some good football in the past. It's been up and down season for them. You just mentioned the Arkansas state win. They had that Tulane win. And then there's they, you know, they've had some other losses that they should have won some games. So they're, they're a frisky team for sure. It's not somebody uh, the, the Bobcats are underestimating. You know, even though they just came off that Troy loss, uh, they had that that win over Ab State the week before. So Bobcats are kind of kind of the same way the with the up and down this season. So it'll be interesting to see this Saturday which one's up and which one's down. Yeah, and talking a little bit about that up and down, um, Texas State undefeated at home, and it feels like there's just like a much different team when they play at home. What goes into that, and how, how can how, how does that sort of work uh, for, for for the Bobcats? Yeah, I, you know, I've wondered that myself. I wonder if it's just the routine of practice and lead up to the week that it's just they're familiar with it and everything. But I think it's also been a really good um, um, effort by the administration here to bring bring fans in this season. You know, it's a new president this year, president of the whole university, Dr. Kelly Damphis. Um, It's a AD who's in his first year and they're both really invigorated to get this this program going get these fans out to the games and so they've done a lot of marketing and good stuff to get fans out and I feel like that kind of has a trickle-down effect to the product on the field uh players have have said it themselves like it's it's just a different atmosphere at home this year compared to last year and many years prior for this this program pretty downtrodden program over the last eight seasons um but it's obviously there a ways to go you know, they need to start winning road games and not just home games. They got to get over that hump. But yeah, slowly but surely, they're, they're, they're getting those road wins. And I just think it's a kind of accumulation of things, of, of being in the right groove at home and the administration bringing in all these, all these fans to, to keep them energetic while they're playing on the field. Let's look at that Texas State offense a little bit. You mentioned they've been up and down kind of throughout the year. They 36 points against App State, but then 14 against a tough Troy defense. Going against a tough Southern Miss defense this week, how do you think they'll fare with Lane Hatcher, a guy who played a lot of football at a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio? How do you see the Texas State offense right now? The one touchdown ratio. 
I think that can be a little deceiving with with Hatcher. Um, he'll be uh, he's he's more of a game manager than a, than a true um, like game winning quarterback, if you will. And when he a lot of his throws, he'll he'll throw them just instead of throwing an interception like most quarterbacks would, he'll throw it out of bounds or too far. And you know, it's a good effort to make sure the ball doesn't get intercepted. But there's a lot of those type of passes. Um, I actually think he's he's the uh, a weak spot in the offense. We haven't seen any of the other backup quarterbacks, but it's why the offense has been so inconsistent is who's under center. Now, there's been games where they've been able to overcome that with their running game, with some talented receivers like Ashton Hawkins and Marcel Barbie. Um, you know, in the run game, they have Lincoln Perry going. They have Calvin Hill going. They've, they've been able – and the offensive line's blocking pretty well. So they've been able to overcome a lot of that and have some of these these successful days, but they aren't able to to replicate it every single game um, just just because of, of that situation. I know that seem, might seem pretty hard on, on Hatcher because um, he's, he's a sound quarterback. He's just more of a game-managing quarterback, doesn't have the strongest arm and, and stuff like that. It's a ton of experience, a really smart guy. He's basically a, a, a clone of, of Jake Spavadol, the coach, um, as far as their cadence and, and everything. But – um, the offense has a long way to go. The defense, I'm sure you'll have defense question. Defense is another story, though. Yeah, and just talking more about Hatcher, because, you know, Southern Miss, it feels like every week, you know, so for Southern Miss's quarterback situation, it's just, and you know, we don't even know what's really happening. <laughs> um, but it seems like every week they're facing these fifth and sixth year quarterbacks with multiple years of experience. So while you're saying that, you know, he's he is the weak spot, maybe in your opinion, but do you think that that experience at least does help the offense move the ball um, on experienced defenses such as last week at Troy? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's a good that's a good two sides to that coin right there is that his experience. I, I feel like that's that's a when the offense is successful, it's because he's making the right decisions. Um, and that a lot of that is based on experience of, of you know, seeing uh, everything in the past and and knowing what you do now with that. Um, yeah, and, you know, but it, you were just mentioned Southern Miss has a tough defense. Uh, and so I, I think it might be a defensive battle this Saturday. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if some some big plays pop off. That's really how a, a, a lot of Texas State scores have been. And, and so we'll, uh, we'll see if some of those slip through. But I, I think it could be a defensive battle. Yeah, you predicted a defensive battle when you talked about how the shortcomings for Texas State really have been under center. That's kind of the same for Southern Miss, whereas they, they've been bringing in true freshman quarterbacks in there. The quarterback situation has been in flux. So it's kind of similar to Texas State in that the supporting cast is pretty good, but you don't know what you have under center, which leads to some poor offensive performances. How do you think the Texas State defense will match up against a Southern Miss offense that really doesn't have it all figured out yet? Yeah, you know, and that, that's one of the more frustrating parts of watching a football team is when they're a quarterback away. You're just like, if you just no, put sure. this guy in there, a lot could change. But um, for, for the Bobcats, man, they've, they've had a, a much heavier pass rush than years prior. A lot of that's because of, like, Levi Bell, who's a Louisiana Tech transfer. Guys who've been there for a while, like Nico Ezador on that D-line. They have a really deep defensive line. Um, so I think a lot of that's going to be on on the Southern Miss offensive line. If are they going to give whoever is at quarterback, are they going to give him the time to to um, make his make their reads and everything? Because they're gonna they're gonna need that. Oh man, look at a squirrel literally just jumped on me. That was so weird. <laughs> look, can you see him? Can y'all yeah. see him? Look at this. Look at that. He's coming up to me. Wow. I may have to move my spot. No, but <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that the quarterback, whichever quarterback is back there, because it seems they're inexperienced, they're going to need more time to read this offense that they don't have a ton of experience with. So the more time they have, the more beneficial it is. And the Bobcats don't like giving the opposing quarterback time. So I think a lot of that is going to play on this offensive line. He won't go away. He's still here, <laughs> but <laughs> the squirrel. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's it's going to a lot of that's going to be on Southern Miss on the time they can give that quarterback because they're going to have to to bring it against the Bobcats D-line. Yeah, and I think that, that that's going to, going to be one of the keys of the game. Kev, I want to talk to you just about um, the Sun Devils in general and just how 
you know, it feels like every week it's almost like each team can win a game. And it's like, it doesn't matter, you know, going back, especially to Texas state's first win ever against Appalachian state. Um, is it kind of, does it kind of feel that way for Texas state as well? That like, it doesn't matter who the opponent is like Texas state can still rise up and blow the doors off of say Appalachian state. And maybe Southern Miss can come into Texas state and hand the Bobcats their first road loss. I mean, home loss. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's any given Saturday in the Sun Belt. That's the beautiful part about it. I mean, there's, yeah, there's, there's no doubt that the, that Southern Miss could come in and really shock some people and hand the Bobcats that loss. You know, it's been pretty tough for teams this year, um, but it hasn't been, hasn't been impossible. Obviously. I mean, the Bobcats are 0 and 4 on the road. Uh, that's, that's four times where they've been very flawed. And I mean, that's four games where they've gotten blown out pretty bad. So the wins are nice but their, their losses have been pretty, pretty bad. So it's, it's a weird deal where it's a high ceiling, low floor for the Bobcats. I think it might be the same for Southern Miss. Y'all would have a better feel over that than I would, but it, it feels these two programs are, are very similar. We talked about the similarities in the quarterback situation, but really like the main difference is the Bobcats are for sure sticking with Hatcher. We've seen Spavadol kind of get behind this guy as quarterback last year with Brady McBride. Um, seems like with Southern Miss, it, it's, it's could be, it's, multiple horses in that race um but yeah absolutely any given saturday uh in the sun belt you, you never know what's gonna happen that's why they some... call it the fun belt <laughs> yeah uh so who are some guys for southern miss fans just watching the broadcast that they're gonna hear their name a lot who, who gets involved on that texas state defense texas state defense i mentioned him earlier levi bell um if you don't know much about him you should definitely look him up. He's uh, like number two on, on pro football focus on for D lineman. At least he was. I haven't checked this week. Um, and he's, he's had a terrific season. A Louisiana Tech transfer. He transferred in with his brother, Ben Bell. And they're, Ben Bell's an outside linebacker. The brother's a D tackle. And they both just pass rush the quarterback. So you'll see the Bell brothers out there for sure. Cordell Rogers at corner. Uh, he, he gets a lot of picks. I think he's got four this year. Um, yeah, they've got some, some real salty, uh, salty linebackers, London Harris and Sione Tupo, uh, that new guy in this year, Brian Holloway, he's looking really good at SMU transfer. So defensively, they, they've got a lot of dudes. They've got Jaron Morris, who's been there for a long time, six year guy playing nickel corner. Um, and I think that's a, a cum- why this defense has done so well. It's accumulation of a lot of these guys being in their, their sixth or fifth, sixth year. And then a lot of other guys, like I mentioned Levi Bell, there's also Nelson Banasor on the D-line, who's a Texas Tech transfer. A lot of these transfers mixed with these, with these seniors that are in their fifth, sixth year has really made this, this defense something special. Offense has a lot of flaws and a lot of issues, um, but, but defensively they're, they're very sound the, from the starting unit to the second unit for sure. Yeah, we talked to Will Hall today, Southern Miss head coach, and he actually had a lot of praise for Levi Bell. Multiple times he mentioned his name. Oh, talking great. about that D-line a little bit. When Southern Miss is successful is when they're able to run the ball. How does Texas State match up against a rushing attack throughout the season, and are they susceptible to the run game? Absolutely. They really are. I mean, uh, um, two, two examples right off the bat are like Nevada and Baylor two games where they got blown out. Nevada was a surprise blowout. That was the start to season. And then Baylor, that wasn't really very surprising, but those are two run heavy teams that kind of had their way with the Bobcats. Cause I was mentioning the pass rush of Texas state. They're much better at, at getting after the, getting after the quarterback and then their DBs making a play than they are at stopping a, a team that has multiple running backs. That being said, App State came into Bobcat stadium touting a pretty good running offense and, and they got, they got slowed down quite a bit, so um, could be an any given Saturday deal. But I, I would say between pass pass defense and run defense, much better. Bobcats are much better at pass defense, so that rush that rush could uh, be a weak spot. Awesome, Keith. I don't know how many uh, Slower Miss fans are making the journey out there this weekend, but for those who are and who are listening, could you just name some nice restaurants or places around campus that they gotta eat at? Oh man! Uh, if there's one recommendation I give, it's Herbert's Tacos. You gotta Herbert's Taco Shack. It's uh, Texas, pretty known for their tacos around here. The, that Tex-Mex, uh, and they do it right. So go go check out Herbert's. It's kind of it's a San Marcos staple. Been around for a long time. So 
definitely check that one out. Awesome. Well, any last thoughts on the game this weekend? Uh, no, I'll be there, you know, despite, uh, despite my, my current situation, I'll, I'll be at homecoming. So if y'all, y'all, if y'all need anything from the ground, feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Well, that was Keith Chardello from the Austin Kef, sorry, not Keith. <laughs> Kef Chardello. It's all good. Kef Chardello from the Austin American Statesman. Thanks so much for joining us. They, for real, I mean, he, guys, he had a baby yesterday and he's on the podcast. <laughs> That's probably the first for four street ever. So you are now in the history books, Mr. Sir. So <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, thanks so much. For- Appreciate y'all. Yeah. Have a good one. Thank you so much for coming. In, though. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks y'all. Reach out if you need anything. That's really what it is. This is four street and we got Mo dogs on 88, five this year. And welcome back to four street. Nathan, Jackson, me in the building. Not many other people here. They decided to do better things today. Mm. Um, let's get into bold predictions here on 4th Street. Bold predictions, Southern Miss at Texas State. Nathan, why don't you take us away? Your bold prediction this weekend. Okay, I got you. Let me start off here. This one's a weird one. I, like we stated earlier in the pod, you know, I think the, the one thing we need to see is run the ball. So that's what I'm going to lean into here. And I, honest, and uh, another thing we also kind of alluded to, I think my bold prediction here is Southern Miss runs the ball for 200-plus yards and has zero turnovers. Wow. It's so kind of like a double Yeah, prediction. a little double yeah, pole prediction gotcha, there. Gotcha. And you just heard in our interview with Kef that, you know, the Texas State offense, really the only weakness is their quarterback, right? So my bold prediction kind of – Goes around that. I say that Lane Hatcher, he's been held under 200 yards passing twice this year. I think that happens again. I think he'll be held under 150 yards passing Mm. this week. I think Southern Miss is going to dominate the time of possession. They're just not going to give him any opportunity. So under 150 yards passing for Lane Hatcher. Yeah, I'm I'm with Nathan here. I'm going to go with the rushing as well. I think Southern Miss can get this run game going. I'm kind of going to go really bold here. Three separate 100-yard rushers Mm. for Southern Miss. I think it'll be Frank Gore, Janari Dean, and then maybe some other person who maybe gets some carries. I don't know. They they, they handed the ball off to Chandler Pittman for the first play of the game last last week. So I think they can get somebody else going, and maybe he breaks off a big run or something. Mm. I don't know. But... Three separate players for 100 yards for Southern Miss. So that's our bold predictions here on 4th Street. And now we will get into our game picks. Southern Miss versus Texas State in San Marcos, Texas. Southern Miss is a two-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under is set at 43.5. Charlie and Austin are not here to make their picks, but I will read off uh, Charlie's and uh, Southern Miss. Uh, Austin did pick Southern Miss, and Charlie picked Southern Miss to win 24-20. to 20. Nathan, what is your pick, Southern Miss and the Bobcats? We've talked about it the entire pod. I don't want to keep talking about it. I'll just give it straight to y'all. I think Southern Miss pulls off a much-needed win out there at Texas State, 23-21. to Yeah, last night or the night before, I went to bed thinking that Texas State was actually going to win this game. Then we talked to Kef Chardello, and the way he talked about Texas State just made me think that Southern Miss knows what the weaknesses of Texas State are. They're going to exploit it. I think the running game is going to come in huge for Southern Miss this week. I think they pull off the road victory in San Marcos, 22-19 to in a low-scoring affair. Yeah, just a correction. Austin did pick Texas State to win this game. Yeah, I think that um, I think that's exactly right. I feel I can I trust Southern Miss's run game to get going in this game. And if Southern Miss's run game can get going, then that can open up the passing game. And literally, if the game is dependent on their offense to score a touchdown, can they do it? They did it last week. Can they do it this week? Mm. I don't know, but you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to pick Southern Miss to win this game. They know how important this game is. Southern Miss wins 19-17, to 17, so that's under the 43.5, and that's Southern Miss with the points there. So that's our picks, Southern Miss and Texas State here on 4th Street. And now we can get into Prince Pickham. Here are the standings for Prince Pickham. I am in the lead with 116 points. Charlie's and Nathan, y'all are tied at 105 and uh, Jackson, you have now climbed back onto the leaderboard where you're not last. 101 points for you, and Austin's down there at 100. Mm. Keep so let's running, what? Keep running that mouth, boys. Oh no, <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not saying the comeback. No, I, I'm just <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
But let's get into these. We've got some good games this weekend. Probably not as good as last week. Last week was an insane weekend of college yeah, football. Was but this week we got some good games. Let's start down in the bayou. LSU Tigers somehow favored in this game. I don't even know how. Number seven, Ole Miss at LSU. LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The line over-under is 66.5. Nathan, who are you taking? Well, first, let's get the van, uh, fan vote here. Oh, the fan vote. That's right. Yes. Oh, we uh, didn't get fan vote for Southern Miss, Texas. What was the fan vote for Southern Miss, Texas that. State? I think we can all predict that one. It was yeah. 91.2% Southern wow. Miss. Wow. How about um, that? Look at that. Oh. But Ole Miss uh, is the fan vote favorite here at a 64.3 clip. Uh, so a, people, a lot of people think that underdog is going to win that one. I am going to differ from that i know that's a shocker yeah what a shocker from the lsu fan i I knew i was gonna get clowned if i picked lsu but i think this one's a little bit more reasonable than the tennessee one the tennessee pick was just that was awful (laughs) there was no logic behind that one that was pure biasness uh in this one i legit think lsu has a chance in this one if they play a perfect game they're gonna need a perfect game defensively and a pretty dang good offense performance so i think they do that just enough to pull off the 30 to 29 victory over the rebels well the l in lsu actually stands for lee as i've just learned because nathan picks them all the time (laughs) i haven't seen anything from lsu that would tell me that they should beat ole miss really the only factor here is that slab of concrete Tiger mm. Stadium? Mm. And it's a 2.30 kickoff, which means the second half is going to be at nighttime. So could be a bit of a trap for Ole Miss, but I think they get this one done. I think they're the much better team than LSU mm-hmm. right now. I think they have a bright future under Brian Kelly, but they're just not there yet. And this isn't the LSU of last year, maybe in a couple years ago. I think Ole Miss gets this win 38-27. to yeah, I'm on the same boat. I I don't even I really have no idea why LSU is favored, but they are favored, so I guess I'm picking the underdog, but like I don't think Ole Miss is really spectacular. Like I don't think they're the number 7 team in the country. So, I do think this will be a close game. I'm not going to take a like I'm not going to pick Ole Miss to go in there and blow the doors off of them like Tennessee did. But so I have Ole Miss by a field goal, but I could definitely see how LSU would win this game. So, Ole Miss 33 to 30, and that's under. The 66.5. Uh, Charlie picked um, Ole Miss to win 31 to 27, and Austin came in with an Ole Miss pick as well. Lone Wolf over here once again. Ow. Yeah, lone Wolf. Lone Wolf. Let's go out to uh, South Carolina. Um, not the University of South Carolina, but the state of South Carolina. These are actually two undefeated teams, mm. which is kind of crazy. Number 14, Syracuse, at number 5, Clemson in Death Valley. This is the interesting game. Clemson's a 13.5-point favorite. The over-under is at 49.5. And I think it's interesting that this game is at 11 instead of a night game. Mm. Nathan, who are you thinking? I got orange, baby, and not the Clemson orange. I got oh. Syracuse pulling off the upset of the year. I think Sean Tucker, their running back, that was pleased last week with his performance. So follow him on Twitter to see if he was pleased or not. Um, he always has a game report of his own game. Uh, <laughs> so I think he goes out there and dominates. Uh, I think that's the only way they will win this game is if they can get their star running back going and find a way to run that really good Clemson defense. So I think they pull it off. Out there, like you said, in South Carolina, Syracuse 27, Clemson 24. You know what's interesting about Clemson is that Clemson, so if you were a student at Clemson and you were a senior, you've never seen them lose at home. Last time they lost at home was in Mm -hmm. 2016 to Pittsburgh. And Nathan's saying that the Orange is going to go in and beat Dabo Sweeney and company. Mm -hmm. Jackson, are you picking the Orange to go in and beat Dabo Sweeney and company? I don't know if Garrett Schrader is as good as Nathan Peterman was when they came in the Death Valley and beat Clemson, but so I know a lot of Mississippi fans, uh, you know, fan, college football fans in the state of Mississippi, they remember Garrett Schrader as the guy who did the helicopter play for Mississippi State uh, at home against Kansas State all those years ago. But he's up in Syracuse now, and he's actually performing really well this year. But I think they make it close at Clemson, but I think Clemson's just a wagon this year. Mm-hmm. Syracuse is a nice story. This should be a, you know, being on prime time for them, this is good for them, but mm-hmm. I think they come up just short. I think maybe DJ Uyangalele makes a play late. <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Maybe Uyangalele. There it is. Either way, DJ U, he's going to uh, make a play late. I have Clemson winning a tight one, 27 to 21, and that's under. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on the, the same line, but, you know, I think that, like, is Syracuse better than Florida State? Like, I think so. I do. You know, is Syracuse better than NC State? I, I don't know. They could so. be. But, you know, didn't they, they play last week? I can't remember. But anyways. They won. Yeah, Syracuse beat to NC State last week. Yeah. Um, Frauds. <laughs> <laughs> I think Clemson is better. DJ Uyunglele, he is just a... He's just played well in these bigger games. Yes. He he's just... Played way better. He's played to his five star ability. Um, I think Clemson wins. I do think Syracuse will keep it close early. I think their defense can kind of keep them in it. Mm-hmm. And if their offense can score some points, that game could get interesting. It's mm-hmm. a game not a lot of people are talking about at all. Mm-mm. So, uh, but I have Clemson thirty one to twenty. So I think they score late to kind. Of, it's like you know twenty four twenty, and then Clemson scores a late touchdown. Then they. But I do have Syracuse covering, so that's still under the forty nine point five. This is where I keep forgetting. Charlie's pick is you Clemson winning thirty four to twenty three. And then the fan vote. What's fan the vote we got here is a Clemson big time favorite, seventy five percent for Clemson. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then Austin picked Syracuse to win that game, so he's with Nathan. Yep. Um, so let's go out uh, west. This is actually where game day is at. Number nine UCLA at number ten Oregon. Oregon's a six point favorite. The over under set at seventy one point five. Nathan, what's the fan vote? And then your pick. Well, before right when the podcast started, we were at a 50%, 50%, but it has changed now. A person did just jump in and make an Oregon pick to push them over as the favorites in the fan vote. 51.9% Oregon for the fan vote. And I am going to be the complete opposite. I don't think Oregon is a very good team this year. I think they're a decent team, a top 25 team, but I don't think they're on the level of UCLA. I think UCLA's got one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and I think that will get them the dub in this one. I think Oregon sticks around for a little bit, but uh, UCLA pulls it off 45-34. to 34. We're definitely going to see a lot of points in this game. Mm-hmm. Both teams, five out of six games this year, they have scored 40 or more points. Mm. Uh, Oregon's slightly better, offensively at least, 42 Points per game, UCLA forty one and a half points per mm-hmm. game, so they're right there. So defense is going to be kind of non existent in this one, but I think the home field advantage in the Pac twelve will ultimately prevail. I think there's going to be a great atmosphere at Oregon with game day going there. I think Oregon comes out on top, forty five to forty one. That's over. And let me just add, they've looked really good since they got throttled yeah. by Georgia. So they've been playing good ball. They win. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with UCLA here. Um, I think that UCLA is the better team. Um, and I think it's just like a weird kickoff time. It's 1230 Pacific time. That is weird. In, um, out there out west because it's 230 Central okay. time or whatever. And so I think it's a weird kickoff time. So I think that that kind of takes away the home field advantage for Oregon. And if the home field advantage for Oregon's taken away, I'm picking UCLA. So I think UCLA is going to win close game. A lot of points, but I am going to go under the 71 because I think 71 is kind of crazy. But 35-31 UCLA. Um, and then Charlie's pick was – sorry, guys. We're kind of doing some crazy things. So we kind of so UCLA 35-31 as well. So it's my same pick there. And then Austin's pick was Oregon to win that football game. Let's go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma State versus Texas. Oklahoma State is a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Overrunners at 61. Nathan, what's the fan vote and what's your pick? Fan votes got Texas winning this one at a 56% uh, clip. And I'm going to agree with the fans on this one. I think Texas, I'm done on this Oklahoma State train. I've been on it for the last three years and they've disappointed every single time. Done with them. Plus, I think Texas is just the better team. Got a really good quarterback in Quinn Ewers. I think Texas pulls it off out there in Oklahoma for a 38-32 to 32 win. The fact that Texas is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in Stillwater is a little mm. surprising to me. Mm-hmm. I think Vegas and all the betters out there are just giving a lot of flowers and credit to Quinn Ewers, as he deserves, mm. because when he's been in the game, they have won, and they have looked good. Mm-hmm. So going out to Stillwater, I think Oklahoma State covers, but I think Texas ultimately gets it done 34-31, to 31, and I have that going over. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. Just like Jackson said, Texas has looked insanely good when Quinn Ewers was out there. Mm. There's a whole different team. If Quinn Ewers were to play the entire game, they definitely would have beaten Alabama, and then they would be like in the top ten right mm. now, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, but I think it's crazy that they're favored by six and a half in Stillwater. But guess what? I'm picking them to cover. So 35-28. 
Texas wins. And that's over the 61. So that is our... Oh, let's go to Kansas. Kansas State, TCU. Charlie, I keep forgetting their votes. I'm sorry. So he has Oklahoma State winning 38-28. to So a 10-point victory for Oklahoma State. So feeling the Cowboys there. And then Austin picked Texas to win that. Austin did not send his scores in. So we just like picked sending... Picking who he picked, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's go out to Kansas State. Kansas State is going to TCU. TCU is a three and a half point favorite. Nathan, fan vote your pick. Over unders at fifty five. Fan vote. We got a seventy eight, a seventy point eight percent on TCU, and I am no longer doubting TCU as well. Um, very good team. Very good offense. Um, I think Kansas State's a good team. Uh, they've had some pretty big wins this year. Um, so. I think it's a good game, but I think TCU pulls it off in the end. That offense is just a little too explosive for them. 34-23 TCU. I feel like the X factor in this game is that Kansas State defense. Mm. Four out of the six games this year, 17 points or less for that for their opponents. And I think that comes up big here. I know TCU riding high, 6-0 and after they blew out Oklahoma. Then they beat Kansas on the road. And then they came back in overtime, beat Oklahoma State last week. But I think they come up short here. I think Kansas mm. State ends the fairy tale early. Mm. I've got the, the Wildcats winning. 34 to 26, and that'll be over. It's a good pick. I like that one, actually. Yeah, Charlie is going to pick TCU to win 31 to 24. This is like, you know, is Adrian Martinez good? Is he mm. good enough to go into Texas to, to TCU and, and, and beat the Horn Frogs? Mm-hmm. As an Ohio State fan, no, he's not good enough. <laughs> TCU is going to win. They'll probably win by a lot. 40 to 24 Ooh. TCU at home. Okay. And that's over the 54. Austin picked. Um, TCU and Charlie also picked up TCU as I just said. So clowns. Let's head into Sun Belt. By the way, it is five ten right now as we record this on Thursday. This is before Troy South Alabama. Can we all verify that? Yes. Five ten. Five ten. So we're gonna pick Troy and South Alabama. You're gonna hear this pick after Troy and South Alabama. We are all picking it before. Gentlemen, what time is it? 5.10. 5.10 Central Time PM. There we go. 10.20.22. So yes. This is before Troy South Alabama. <laughs> South Alabama is a three-point favorite. The over-under is 47. Nathan, let's hear the fan vote and get your pick in. Fan vote, South Alabama is the favorite at 69.2%. Nice. Nice. Uh, as well, I'm also going to lean on that one, too. Dog. I think. <laughs> Dog. Uh, South Alabama is going to get this one. That offense has been very fun to watch. The team overall is a very good team. Uh, Troy's good. Um, that defense is good. But I think I think South Alabama just finds a way to get this one done. 31-27. to 27. Defense, defense, defense. That's what we're going to see in this game. And a, a sold-out Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Mm. I saw that on Facebook this morning. So whether or not the stands will be completely full, they announced a sellout, or at least one mm. website did. So people are saying the energy should be good in that game tonight. Uh It'll be a close game. South Alabama last few games have been close games. And Troy, obviously, that that very good defense means they're going to be in a lot of close games, but I think it's hard to call this an upset, but I think the Troy Trojans get the win Ooh, wow. in Mobile. I, like I think that. they pull it okay. out 21 to 20. So Jackson's definitely trying to get back in this. Yeah, I like the, these bull picks. He's so. picking some pow, pow. Yeah. big ones. He hits on these. So I'm going to, you know, I didn't know it was sold out, but that helps my pick. But I think it's going to be a defensive battle. But South Alabama at home, man, I don't know. Troy's good. I don't think Troy can go into South Alabama and win. Uh, that's, I mean, South Alabama's one, probably the strongest looking Sun Belt team outside of James Madison this entire season. And I have them winning 22 to 17. Mm. 22 mm. to 17. That's under the 47. I'm doing math correctly. Yeah, it is 39. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Austin has South Alabama winning, and Charlie has South Alabama 31 to 21. Let's go up to Virginia. Sa- Marshall at James Madison. James Madison, 12 and a half point favorites. The over-under is at 50.5. Nathan, what's the fans thinking, and what are you thinking? 
James Madison for the fans is the favorite, seventy seven point three percent. And I'm not to agree with the fans once again. I think James Madison uh, they lost last week to Georgia Southern. Weird loss. Defense did not look good, and for that defense has looked great all season. Uh, I think they bounce back, get a good, nice little win against a pretty good Marshall team uh, with also a pretty good defense as well. James Madison pulls it off, twenty eight to seventeen. I think Marshall's a slept-on team in the Sun Belt. I think they have easily one of the best defenses in all the conference. Mm -hmm. But you got James Madison coming off a, quite frankly, embarrassing loss Mm -hmm. to, I believe it was Georgia Southern. The fighting Clay Helton. Yes, exactly. That's that's not something they want to do, especially with the season they've had. I think they win, but Marshall keeps it close. 28-17, to the Dukes win. Yeah, I'm going James Madison as well. I do think Marshall will cover that 12-and-a-half just because, like you said, mm-hmm. Jackson, they have a great defense. And, you know, is this still the same team that beat Notre Dame on the road? So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. can they beat James Madison on the road? Yeah. <laughs> but James Madison should win this game. 28-24, James Madison. That's over the 50.5. Charlie has James Madison winning 31-24. to Excuse me. And Austin also picked James Madison to win as well. Let's go back to Virginia. Mm. Georgia Southern at Old Dominion. Guys, I literally think this is a toss-up. It is. I mean, I think you could pick this to game to be a tie, you know. But that's not what the odds makers picked. They picked Old Dominion, two-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under is high at 67. Uh, Fan vote for this one is actually Old Dominion with a pretty Mm. nice little uh, difference here, uh, 59.1%. So a lot of people uh, uh, get the edge in that one We got uh, for Old Dominion. For me, I think it's different. I think Georgia Southern is going to be riding a little bit of a high after that big win against James Madison, proving they got a really good offense to do that against one of the best defenses in the conference. So I think Georgia Southern rides this high and gets a big win over the Monarchs. Uh, so I got Georgia Southern winning this one 35-31. to 31. Yeah, this game, you've got two teams coming off of big upset wins in the mm-hmm. Sun Belt. Old Dominion obviously coming off that 28-point demolishment. Don't even know if that's a word, but they demolished <laughs> Coastal Carolina. And then obviously Georgia Southern beat James Madison, as we mentioned shortly before. So these are two teams that you would expect to have kind of a letdown game but they play each other, so something's got to give. Coin flip game, I'm not going to predict them to tie Dima. So I've got Old Dominion, the home team, prevailing 33-30, to and I've got that going under. Yeah, so Charlie picked Georgia Southern to win 34-31, to mm-hmm. and Austin picked Old Dominion to win. I'm going to pick Old Dominion to win. I think just the home field advantage is, I mean, I don't know. Is the home field advantage good at Old Dominion? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I'm picking it to be good. I'm picking it to be a field goal. Mm-hmm. 31-28 Old Dominion, and that's under the 67. Let's go Arkansas State at Louisiana. Two teams, Southern Miss, one team Southern Miss faced last week, and the next team that Southern Miss will face next week. UL, <laughs> minus 6.5, over under 52. Yep, fans are thinking it's going to be a very close game as Louisiana is a slight favorite, 56%. This is a good game for Southern Miss to watch. you got to check it out and see um, how this Arkansas State team fares against Louisiana. But I think Louisiana will just be a little too much like Southern Miss was last week. I think Louisiana gets a big win over the Red Bulls, and they win 34-29. to This could easily be an unintelligent pick, but Butch Jones and company have been mm. embarrassed the last few weeks, and – Louisiana has the big showdown at the Rock next Thursday night. I think the Red Wolves get it done. They get the upset here, twenty-three to twenty-one over a struggling Louisiana team. Mm. I'm cruising for a bruising with these picks. Mm. Did, did you have a few Coors Lights before you started? I'm actually sober today. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know. I just sometimes when we do these, you're, you're drinking, so I just didn't know if that was what you were doing today. I am not picking. Arkansas State to beat UL on the road. I'm sorry. Arkansas State, abysmal team. It's Southern Miss. Probably should have still lost to. You know who's also not picking Arkansas State to win? Who? Charlie. What? Louisiana, 27-17 for him. You know who's also not picking Arkansas State to win? What? Our Austin. Oh, and man. He's picking, <laughs> he's picking uh, Louisiana to win as well. I'm picking Louisiana to win and to cover 32-19. to That's over. The 52. So that is our Prince Pick'em for this week. And one more for you guys. New Orleans plays Arizona tonight. Who wins? Saints, Cardinals. Saints get a big-time needed win. 
Uh, I can't remember what my exact score was from last night in my podcast. <laughs> Saints are just uh, – I, I want them to be good, but they're not. I, Cardinals have D-Hop coming back. I think they'll win by, like, three points. Every time I say this, uh, the Saints are going to win, you know what happens? They lose. So I'm going to say they lose, and then maybe they'll win. Thank maybe you. They can get it Thank done. you, Dima. Yeah, so – um, so that's it. I think that'll do it. We didn't have that long of a podcast today. There was only three of us on the fourth street show. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, catch us on Saturday afternoon. We'll all be tweeting out the game. I'm assuming, mm. um, we'll have stories up, write-ups up. We may do a post game video. We're not sure. Um, but be looking for that. If we do, there's not going to be a post game interview with Will Hall. We are hearing, but catch his interview with John Cox on the radio after the game. Cause that's what I'm going to be doing to get a quote. So, um, so, we miss Charlie. We're in prayers for him. His uh, mom's having a procedure done t- today, so he's he could not be here. Austin, he's a very busy man. He could not be here as well. So prayers for Charlie and Austin as they uh, deal with certain things they had to deal with today. But thank you to Nathan and Jackson for being here as always. Yes, sir. And uh, so for Nathan and for Jackson, I'm Dima Mixon, and that was the 4th Street Sports Show. Thanks so much for Three, listening. Three, two, one. This has been the 4th Street Sports Show. Tune in next Monday at 5.